out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing. There is a field. Only when the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone. Today we are hearing the fourth episode of our international podcast host series. Karina Kamara from the Infinite Love podcast. Karina is originally from New York, but now settled in Lafayette in California in America. She has a vast list of healing qualifications behind her name and uses various modalities to facilitate healing and spread love. The most prominent of these are acupuncture, energy medicine, pelvic wellness and intuition. She founded the Pelvic Wellness Center and does amazing work in specifically but not limited to female wellness. You can find Karina on a website at www.karinacarinecamara.com. That is karinamara.com, or on Instagram at Karina J. Kamara, or on a podcast. And her podcast is on the most major podcast platforms. I get it on Audrey. That is A U D R Y. And then in Audrey, just look for the Infinite Love Podcast. This is what Audrey says about the Infinite Love podcast. Karina Kumara's podcast, Infinite Love, is a place to be inspired on emotional, spiritual, healing and transformation. We talk about love as medicine and share stories on ways to overcome life challenges with love, positivity and kindness. Karina is an intuitive guide, acupuncturist and energy medicine practitioner. This podcast is supported by The First Layer the 12-step workbook on working through the 12 steps in any addiction in 21 sessions. There is also a 24-day step coaching and counselling program available based on the first layer. For more information in this regard, go to www.freddy.org.za and click through from the notices at the right of the homepage. Please also look for information on my new book, Life and Non, a 12-step guide to life for non-addicts. You can find it by following the link from the right of my homepage. It costs 300 rand without postage. Order from me in my shop at www.freddyshop.co.za. This is Karin's story. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Karin, good day. Welcome to Meet Me in the Field. Nice meeting you. It's such a pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for making time on a Monday morning in Lafayette in the United States of America, California. So <laughs> <laughs> you do look quite awake, I must say. I touched on that earlier where I actually don't try to see clients at nine o'clock. That's, that's normally when I start work. But my first client <laughs> I try to see at 10 because I, at least I know the caffeine has clicked in and I've kind of woken up and I've processed whatever needs to be processed. So I have a lot of respect for people who do like an eight o'clock appointment. I don't know. I just don't. <laughs> so are you born and bred American, Californian? No, I'm not. My parents are actually from Africa. So my parents oh, cool. are from Guinea, West Africa, and they migrated to New York City in 1979. And right. I was born in 81 in the heart of Manhattan. Oh yeah. my word. And yeah. how, does a, how does a Manhattan girl end up on the other end of America? 
Well, I was never a fan of New York City. I don't know if you've ever been, but it's a loud city. It's wild and there's so much um, going on all the time, which I've appreciated as a young girl. I feel like I learned a lot about cultural, religion, people. However, you don't have any nature. You know, there's no, the only thing I had was Central Park because I grew up close to Central Park, but I didn't have stars and trees and I always felt like so disconnected from the world because you you live in Manhattan and it's this little island and most New Yorkers stay in New York it's like Mm. this hardcore thing and I was in acupuncture school Chinese medicine school in New York City and I wanted to move and so I moved where I could transfer my credits and California was a place that I could transfer my credits. I had one friend that lived in San Francisco. I didn't know how to drive. So it kind of limited where I could move to because I needed a place that had public transportation. So I ended up- In in New York, you don't need to know how to drive. No, no. The public transport system, everything is so well organized that you never had the need. So did you eventually learn how to drive? Yes. I mean, I actually learned how to drive in New York City. Um, I just didn't pass my test. (laughs) I learned how to drive in New York City because I was going to college and I didn't want to be stuck in a car with people that were drunk. So I I learned how to drive and it was helpful. It it helped me a lot in college. And I did, but I didn't have my license. And then I moved to San Francisco. And then within two years, I got my license to drive. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And have you ever stepped back onto African soil or stepped onto African soil? No, my mom and dad never took me. So, and then I had college and then I had grad school and then I was starting a business. And I think now in my, I'm about to be 40 that I have a little bit of like, okay, I know what I'm doing in my life. I'm more financially abundant. I'm more relaxed. Now I can go back, but now it's like, can we even travel? So (laughs) (laughs) like, I don't even know if I'll be able to even travel at all until this situation's at, um, but at least better. one day the possibility is there and the will is there, it, it, it seems as well. Because my of course my argument yeah. is once your feet have touched African soil, your soul is different. Really? So, mm, well, I definitely want to go to South Africa. Yeah, it's just I've always I've always been um very, very um connected to South Africa since I was a little girl. And so I've always felt this draw. I always felt this draw to go there. Mm. So South Africa, Zimbabwe. I've always wanted to go to Senegal. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, I know eventually if yeah. if I can travel, I definitely want to go. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I wish I could say we will welcome you with open arms, but I don't know whether I'll still be here. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be with me in California. Yeah, absolutely. And I must say that I'm actually quite worried whether I'm going to miss African soil. You will. What I'm saying is I've never been to America and yet I'm moving to America. And it sounds so weird that, that my husband though has been to America a lot. He's worked there for, for a while. So mm-hmm. I trust him fully to say that you're going to be okay. And the deal is that we'll, we'll settle in California for at least a year so that I can acclimatize because I uh-huh. really struggle with cold weather. Oh, I'm I so really sorry for you. It's cold really weather. cold here. It's really cold here. I mean, part of the reason why I left New York City is because I hate winter. Like, I loathe being cold. Yeah. And San Francisco, the Bay Area isn't cold like New York, but it's cold. Yeah. You still need a heater. 
Yeah, apparently the weather is very much the same as Cape Town weather. Which is, uh, yeah, I've heard which that. Which is okay, but the houses apparently have central heating. Well, yeah, if you get a house that was renovated and or okay. new, yeah, okay, have cool. central heating. No, yeah. We'll definitely look for one of those. <laughs> yeah, you want to because the Bay Area is very damp. And so if you get an older place, it most likely has mold. Okay, so we'll definitely yeah. look for a, for a central heating place. Because then it's yeah. okay because I work from home. So I don't, I don't spend a lot of time outdoors, even though I love, I love going outside. It's extremely important for my soul to be able to step out of. So even if I just have a little courtyard, I don't want a yeah. big garden, but I need, I just need to be able to lift my eyes and see leaves or sky. Or I agree. Something and like in that, in that regard, the Bay Area is quite beautiful because there's lots of trails, there's lots of mountains, mm. especially if you don't live in San Francisco proper, like yeah. I wouldn't recommend that. But if you live like in Marin or I live in the East Bay, even the South Bay, um, you get more nature. Oh, so cool. it's more, it's definitely, um, and if you're, if you're moving to work, you know, you kind of want to live where you work yeah. or somewhere close and yeah, but it's a beautiful place to live. It's expensive awesome. as hell, but. We'd like to settle in Portland, yeah. Oregon at that eventually. But, yeah. I, but the deal is that I need to acclimatize first. Let, let me just let me just in, ease myself into it, and then we can see where we go from there. Yeah, coming from Africa, I don't know. I mean, I've never been to Africa. I just, um, Americans are interesting people. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. <laughs> Becoming more and more interesting by the day it's from, from what we read on, on this side. Yeah, I just... I mean, I don't know, because I because I was an immigrant, my parents are immigrant I, immigrants, I had a different viewpoint because I in the household, my my, fam, my father would be like, in the house, this is Africa and outside is America. But yeah. so I was raised in a different way than most um, Americans are. Um, that's why I always kind of um, resonate with immigrants like or, or people that are first generation like yeah. myself, because we all have this different mindset than Americans that are born and bred here. And I don't know. It's an interesting group of people. <laughs> well, I can't, I can't wait yeah. to get there. So far, the Americans that I've met were lovely, lovely people. So, um, you met them in Johan, and you met them in South Africa? Yeah, in, in South Africa, mm -hmm. um, and now with the podcast recordings and those type of things. Yeah. You all just seem like really, really lovely people. And um, I consider Majority. myself a lovely person, so... So with the majority, I'll get along. The rest, I'll just, I'll just give them a miss. So well, like attracts like. You know, if you're yes, a good person, you, you yeah. tend to attract other Very nice people. Yeah. So, did you grow up with religion in the house? Well, it's interesting. So my parents are Muslim. Um, and my mom is very, very Muslim. She's me meaning to say that she's very religious and pretty strict with her um, religious beliefs. And my dad is kind of a pseudo-Muslim. Like he, you know, used to drink and do whatever. And, but at the same time, because my dad was more relaxed about religion, he never imposed it on the children. And so the way my mom believes Islam should be, the, the father leads and my dad didn't lead. And so we kind of were like just given free range to just do what we wanted to do okay. religiously. And I actually went to a Catholic school for elementary school and high school. 
so I was exposed to Christianity, Judaism, a little bit of Buddhism and Islam, of course. And I've always had a strong connection to God and and spirituality, but I've never wanted to be religious because mostly because I just don't follow rules and I and I like (laughs) I'm mostly very rebellious and a lot of the world religions are a bit patriarchal and so you know it doesn't really include at least in my opinion it doesn't include women in a way that feels comfortable for me and that was the reason why I was always initially the reason why I always kind of deterred and moved away from the idea of being a religious Muslim, especially because my mom, my mom still today is very upset that I'm not a religious Muslim with a Muslim husband. And, you know, it's my whole life is not validated by a husband, but because I'm not religious and I'm not married, it's like I'm not seen as um, part of society in a certain way. Mm. Um, Are they still in New York? My dad moved back to Africa. He's back in Guinea. He did, yeah. And my mom's in New York City, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. How amazing. But also, it, yeah. it's easier to have, how can I call it, social cultural differences from our parents when, we, when we're not in their space. For me, it's, it's, right. it's easier to be, to be a gay male while my mother's in Johannesburg. <laughs> right, 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 right. It, it's easier for me to live my life out here. Um, right. Even though she's, she's extremely accepting and everything, but it's still it's just easier. So it possibly I agree. You to not be in New York as well. Oh, yeah, that was part of the reason why I left, mm-hmm. you know, because if I'm around, I mean, she would have never, my mom would have never converted me anyhow. Like, oh. you know, I had arguments with my mom since, you know, I was able to form sentences around the subject, around the reasons yeah. why I didn't mm-hmm. want to be a religious person okay. like mostly i mean when i was younger i was like i don't want to have my whole life dictated by my husband absolutely like i'm just not yeah like and i mean partly if i, I mean and i told my mom i was like you know if you wanted me to have that life you should have you should have had children in in guinea like yeah. if you're gonna have kids in america then we're gonna be subject we're gonna be in influenced and subject to the lifestyle exactly. that we're accustomed to you, and plonk me in the life of the free and then don't want me to enjoy the freedom <laughs> right right even though americans you know are super christian i mean it's on our money i mean we're a, this is a very very christian country and i don't necessarily think that's bad or good but you know there are super religious people in america that are yeah. very very hardcore about it Absolutely. and i just think any kind of extreme religion that is not inclusive to everyone is not a place I want to be. Because for me, spirituality is about love and inclusiveness and making everyone feel included and loved and appreciated and valued. So then it's like a religion always ostracizes somebody. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. And you, I love the write-up to your podcast. It's all about, it's all about love. And and your podcast is called Infinite Love. I mean, right. It's awesome. So when I saw the name of the podcast, I just I was drawn to it and I had to click on it and say, This chick I want on my podcast. <laughs> so, oh, thank so you. To, to, to have you so tell me thank a little you. bit about how does a a girl from Africa who grows up in New York end up studying Chinese medicine? 
<laughs> okay, so this is crazy. I've never said this in public. And so when I was young, I saw the movie Shaka Zulu. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. It was based on um, the tribe in South Africa. Yeah. Um, and I was, there was a woman in the movie that was like the medicine woman. That she, and I was so drawn to her. I mean, she was really scary in the movie, but I was like, oh my God, that's what I want to be. Like, I want to okay. be a medicine woman, yeah. right? So this is like, I'm like a child. I had no idea what, um, who Shaka Zulu was and the whole tribe and what happened, but I just was fixated on this medicine yeah. woman. And so like, I, that was kind of always in the back of my mind that I wanted to be like part of this cultural thing of being in a tribe and like being that medicine person healer and I moved along in my life and I got into nutrition and I was really into microbiotics and vegetarianism and being super healthy and that's when I stopped eating sugar and I was really dogmatic about it and I started working at a acupuncture school as an office manager after college to figure out what I wanted to do in terms of uh, my life and I was thinking about becoming a midwife I was thinking about becoming a personal chef and Ooh. I started, I started actually taking cooking classes to start mm. you know, doing that. And then I had a cyst on my ovary Ooh. and the doctor told me I was going to need surgery. And so I started taking, getting acupuncture cause I was working at the school so yeah. I can go up to the clinic. However, I don't like needles. And so for me, I was like, I don't want to get acupuncture cause I don't really like needles yeah. and and then I started getting treatment because I didn't want to get surgery. And then after two months, my cyst was dissolved and right. my menstrual cramps and my menstrual cramps improved. Like I had really bad cramps, and mm. after two months, my cramps got pretty much manageable. I just felt like it was such a miraculous medicine that I decided to study it because acupuncture isn't just about the physical body; it's the spiritual body, it's the emotional body, uh-huh. it's um, we talk a lot about food and nutrition and and breath work and movement. So it's a whole holistic Are you system. That's right. Yeah, I never knew that. Yeah, Chinese medicine okay. does. We talk we talk about qigong, which is breathing okay. and movement. Okay. Tai chi, which is like that. It's also mm. another form of movement, and and there's also a massage tuina. So I mean. I don't necessarily do the Chinese versions of those things, but for me, movement is like yoga and breath work and Mm. I do massage. I do my own version of deep tissue massage. So I've included all the aspects of Chinese medicine, but I've made it my own. So the nutrition, I don't really follow a lot of the Chinese medicine nutrition because they're very meat based, um, animal based. And since I'm plant based, I have my own thing. So yeah, it's its, it's its own holistic system, which I thought was amazing. Yeah. And so I decided to to do that. And in, and in the years, and then later I was like, oh my God, I've become the medicine woman I've wanted to be. In <laughs> I it, just in wanted it, to reflect on that. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, and it, in my own way, I've created that. You know, so yeah. that was a desire that was implanted. I mean, I probably came on, on this planet with that intention of being a healer. And then we'll it see. manifested in that, yeah. And then I found out from my mom that I have like healers in our lineage. So that was great. Oh, cool. I actually yeah. have a, a, an episode of a podcast where I speak to a lady, Makhati, Makhati Mokwena. And her mother at some stage had medical problems and also went 
to doctors that could have sorted out he eventually ended up with a medicine person, an African medicine mm-hmm. person. And the person said, you're a healer. You're supposed to be doing this. And she left the job and left her, her husband and children for, I think, a six-month period and went to a healer to train how to become one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't follow the healing gift, it turns on you. Yeah. <laughs> well, not that... Well, not that it necessarily turns on you because there's so much energy running through you and it's meant to be of service. And Mm -hmm. if you're not using that energy, it kind of slows you down. Like you you start to get weird illnesses and feeling sick and you're not feeling right. It's just like you're not on your path. And I think that's true for most people that are not on their mission of what they should be doing. So um, I understand you correctly. What I'm hearing you you saying is... If I undergo acupuncture, mm-hmm. the most benefit will be received if it's done in a holistic fashion. I'm not just going to a doctor and he sticks needles into me, but there should be a conversation around diet, around movement, around spirituality as well, um, before the needles are stuck into me to make sure kind of a, a complete, um, I'm registered as a wellness counselor, as, mm-hmm. as one of, and that is mind, body, spirit. So mm-hmm. I, I can't just talk to you about your addiction problem. I need to I need to, to bring in all aspects of life. So am I hearing you correctly that for the acupuncture to, to, to possibly have the best benefits, having a holistic view on my whole life and following a certain, a certain set of principles in that regard will help? Absolutely. I mean, acupuncture is based on emotional health. I mean, a lot of the meridians have different emotions attached to them. So if you are angry or you have stored anger, that can cause illness. That can cause what we call stagnation. So energy flow isn't moving, which then could affect the pain level. It could affect your health. I mean, all the most illnesses come from a stagnation of some level of emotion. So if we're not talking about your heart, and what's going on emotionally, are you stressed, and your breath, none of this is going to, I mean, acupuncture can, can treat the symptoms, absolutely, but it's not going to treat the core wound yeah. of what's going on. You know, you want to get to the root of the issue, and that's where absolutely. the true healing begins. And if, if you're not looking at it emotionally, spiritually, like, well, what's happening here, you can't, you're, you're missing so much of what could help the person. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, because we're in a Western model of healthcare, especially here in the States, people don't want to, not necessarily are attracted to that. They just want to get a pill. Give me this. Yeah, I want to so feel bad. better. So right. And then once, but once people hit a, a road, they hit a, they hit a dead end, they've done everything and they're like, okay, nothing's working. That's when they call me or they call you or they call someone else. It's like, Hey, give me a different perspective. Yeah. You know, like, so, and that's what's needed sometimes. Awesome. And I've read that you you kind of, I want to say, specialize in pelvic wellness. Mm-hmm. And you've developed something called a pelvis wellness method. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, the pelvic floor is a basin. It's like even the shape of the pelvic floor, it's like a bowl. And a lot of emotions get stored here. And we use the pelvic floor every day, right? We urinate, we have bowel movements, we have, we have sexual relations there, women have menstrual cycles, and babies are born there. So it's a very active area. Yeah. And it's an area that often gets traumatized 
right? But there's also a lot of people that get traumatized in this area, violated. And there's also could be any pro- sorts of problems. Like if we have any digestive issues and urination problems, everyone, every human being could say at least one time they've had issues in that area. I, had, I, I was diagnosed a few years ago with a spastic. Colon? Yeah. And it was excruciatingly so. Yeah. And I went through even one of the diagnoses was possible prostate cancer. Yeah. Oh, wow. They went that far? I had the scare of my life. Yeah. I remember so well, it was early in my recovery from addiction and I didn't have money that I think my brother actually stood in to have urgent blood tests done so we can see whether I've got cancer and eventually ended up with an urologist and was diagnosed with a a spastic pelvic floor. I don't even know I had something like a pelvic floor, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, nobody, well, nobody really talks about it because, I mean... Anything that gets anything that's sexually related, it's always put, it's always hidden, and Absolutely. no one really wants to talk about it. Yeah. Um, and we need and to, so, we, we need to to put the shame aside, and and these type of things need to become general conversation so that people know, right? People know what can go wrong and what goes wrong, and, and what help there is for what goes wrong. So I'm right, that we're going there right now. Yeah, I mean, and so I utilize acupuncture to help move energy then I do body work because a lot of the times lymphatic congestion gets gets accumulated in the pelvic floor because there's the inguinal lymphatic nodes and the lymphatic system is essentially the sewage system of the body that's where a lot of the metabolic waste lives and oftentimes that's where the inflammation happens like the the lymphatic system isn't moving it's congested you get the swelling and so a lot of the body work is to help move that and then we have the energy component because of the basin of stored energy. We wa- we want to work on moving the energy and spreading it out. And also the first and second chakras are there, and those are power centers. And mm-hmm. the first chakra has a lot to do with tribal, family, feeling included, fear. That is oh. the main emotion of the the first chakra, and it has to do with our kidneys. And the second chakra is all about sexual relationships, reproductive, creativity. Um, and those are the places that often things get stuck because a lot of times, some, especially if something happens when you're young, you can get stuck in that place of um. constant fear. And I mean, that's when COVID was happening. Everyone was running for toilet paper. And I was like, this is a respiratory illness. Like, why are we getting toilet paper? It makes no sense. But then when you start to think about the energy of the, of the first chakra, which is fear, fear of survival, that's large intestine, and that's one of the one of the organs that are connected to that, and that's poop. So you get toilet paper. It's irrational, but when you're afraid, you make irrational choices. Yeah. And so, so, so much for being shit skate. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's there's a lot of there's a lot of um, things that happen in that area. If you say body work, what what do you mean by that? Well, I studied uh, mind abdominal massage, so that is particularly for it. And it's for men and women, but it's working on the uterus and helping the uterus kind of have more energy and more less congestion, especially for women that are trying to get pregnant 
or are currently pregnant. It works really well for fertility, works really well for endometriosis, fibroids, painful menstrual cycles, um, enlarged prostates. So it's helping things move along that, that area. And then when I was in school, I studied shiatsu and body and different types of body work. Tuina oh. is, is the Chinese version and shiatsu is the Japanese. So yeah, it was a, a lot of, I learned a lot of body work and then okay. my, myofascial release and different things. Okay. So I've, yeah. done a, I've done a few sessions of body talk. Yeah, I've mm. heard of that. And yeah. frankly, I was lying on the bed thinking, this is really crap. This is Oh, crap. really? Yeah, but then, so I did the body talk, went home, and then my husband and I went to visit a friend about an hour's drive from where we were. And I remember sitting in the car, staring out the window at the sea and thought, I am experiencing a sense of bliss that I have. <laughs> yeah, but I think the I think the body talk is actually doing something. <laughs> so, so yeah, very open to all different modalities, and mm-hmm. um, and I've been back again. You know, it, it, if I can feel something works for me, then I'm also very very okay to say to a client, "This might might sound weird. I've done this. This is how I felt afterwards. Go and try it." Yeah. I try not to tell any client to go and do something that I haven't done myself before. Right. If I hear something that I think might work for a client, I go first and see what it does for me and then, yeah. then send clients for it. So, um, nice. yeah, because body talk is ultimately also just energy release. Am I correct? I, you know, I only know a little bit about it, but what I do know, it's kind of like they find different parts of the body that, that are, have stored emotions essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Which, and then have the bot and have the person kind of react to that and see yeah. how they, because everything that everything that we experience is stored somewhere. Yeah, you know, if you have a trauma or stress mm. or something, and acupuncture is great because it kind of gives you a framework. Like certain emotions, like anger and frustration, are the gallbladder and liver, and if you know where the meridians are, they kind of live generally in the same area, you know, the neck pain, back, you know, the upper neck pain, headaches, the sides of the temple headaches, that's usually gallbladder because that's where the meridian lives. And if you're angry, that tends to be where it lives, you know, so that gives you a nice framework. And then there's other things, you know, this is like people have stuff everywhere and you kind of have to understand where your body, how your body works. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it's helpful when you work with somebody because then they can kind of guide you. Yeah. So all in all, how many years of studying have you, have you done? <laughs> it's, it's well, you know, you're a permanent student. <laughs> I'm a permanent student. Yes. Well, I went to acupuncture school, Chinese medicine school is four years and that was 10 years ago. So okay. I've been in practice for 10 years. And as an acupuncturist, we have to continue our education. So we have to get 50 units at least yeah. every two years. As a counselor as right? well, yeah. Right. So there's that. And then there's things I've been interested in. So I've always, I wanted to learn esoteric acupuncture, which is like the spiritual chakra side of acupuncture. So I studied that. I wanted to do energy medicine. So I studied that. You know, I'm always looking for ways to improve myself. I'm glad you brought up energy medicine because that's one of my questions. Energy medicine? What? (laughs) What is energy medicine? Tell me a bit about that. 
Well, um, acupuncture is also energy medicine, right? And so it's about learning different aspects of our energy body. So learning about the chakra system, learning about the auras, and then learning how energy gets stuck in the, our energy field and learning what's what's appropriate for the person and what's someone else's energy. So reading people's energy, I can often see, okay, somebody, especially for empaths, empaths are highly sensitive people, right? We, we absorb energy from others. Yeah. So then I could look in someone's field and be like, okay, this energy isn't necessarily yours. Like we can help, you know, using, I channel like divine love and healing yeah, to like move the yeah. energy up. Right. So there's that. And there's, you know, energy people have, people can send misinformed or hateful energy towards others in forms of shapes so like astral objects or sending darts and daggers, you know, the evil eye that yeah. so many people have. And I mean, I'm not superstitious, but there is some level of truth in that where if, you know, we can pray as a group for positivity, but you can also pray in the group for, to do malicious things that can affect people's energy. Yeah. Um, but the most harmful thing in people's energy feel is their own pain. So people carry pain and they carry their own wounds, That's which right. create, a disturbance in their energy field. So teaching people like kindness and compassion and a lot of forgiveness, especially mm. to themselves, yes. makes such a big difference and cultivating yeah. self-love. Yeah. And so, yeah, just helping people navigate their energy field because that's where everything starts. Like yeah. it's hard to manifest the life that you want when your energy is not, doesn't match that yeah. and also it's hard to it's hard to heal if energetically you're a wounded four-year-old and you haven't been able to move past the pain that you that you had when you lost your mom or mm. you were abused or something happened yeah. you were you were bullied i mean there's so many wounds that we all go through as an adult as part of being on the planet we all have to go through these emotional yeah. challenges it's part of the human condition. Like we have to go through things, we have to learn and we move on and grow. But in this process, a lot of us get stuck. A lot of work that I do is inner child work, emotional, emotionally. So am I, is my understanding correct if I say that you can find the inner child energetically? Energetically, yes. Yes, yeah. Awesome. Because oftentimes it's like, well, I don't, I don't necessarily call it a child, but it's a lot of the pain that we go through is mostly in our younger Absolutely, years yeah. because we're not able to filter what's happening in, yeah. a, in an adult mind. And we're so sensitive, especially empaths and highly sensitive people. Our childhoods are very intense, mostly because our parents are like, you're highly sensitive and you need to toughen up. And they just make... Mm -hmm things challenging for empaths and also we take in so much it's like the world is intense like i grew up in new york city and one of the most great like loud noise people it's just a lot of empaths turn to addiction or they feel like they're going crazy i mean it's a you know it's a painful existence yeah. and so you kind of have to learn how to navigate through that and so yeah sometimes the pain could be old and you could feel like it's old and you're like okay this has been going on for a while like what's happening and then yeah yeah awesome now i want to talk to you a little bit about your intuition mm -hmm. because you do intuitive work as well right um when and how did you discover this gift well, I think I've always had it. When I was younger, 
like I would have intuitive hits, like things would happen. Like I would see when people were going to die. Like I, I, I knew, mm. um, perhaps I saw angels. I mean, I, it wasn't clear, but I always had feelings of, of like, I knew when somebody was good or bad. Like, I think most empaths are, have very strong, this is a good person, this is not a good person. Yeah. And not in a judgment kind of way, but more like this person isn't quite right. Mm-hmm. And when I was little, I was very, very, and I think because I, because I was highly intuitive, I became highly judgmental. That was like the aspect, the, the negative aspect of that, right? Because you could just see people's negativity. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, you're, you're, you're not great. Mm-hmm. You're, you know. And so I've always had it, but then I got scared when I was younger because I started to see things that were not there. And so, of course, I saw The Exorcist when I was young, that movie. Oh, my that, word. that demon. <laughs> ex- scary. Like, scary. So scary that I was convinced that I was going to get possessed by the devil or some demon. And so then I shut it down. I was like, I don't want to be part of this no. world. Like, I don't know. And my mom, because she's religious and super, very traditional West African women, super superstitious, like beyond. And so, which I always felt kind of weird because I'm like, how could you be so superstitious about a quote unquote, what she calls pagan religion and then be religious at the same time? Like I was always like so confused. I was like, what's what? But that's how she grew up. And so, and then later on in life when I became an acupuncturist and because I wanted to be an energy healer in New York City before acupuncture school, that was in my areas of discovery. But I was like, who's going to be, who's going to go to a Reiki master? You know, it felt so like woo woo. And acupuncture felt more concrete. Okay, yeah. And, but later on, even in acupuncture school, I've always been drawn to energy and meditation and visualizations and chakras and um, channeling and crystals and all that, you know, all of that. I've always... I've always loved it. And so eventually I slowly started to embrace it in my life. And then I went to like an energy healing school where they taught you how to like do all these things. And then I started just doing it. And then I started taking more classes and then I started doing readings. And then I started really praying to have my gifts be restored. And, and it's, you know, I'm still in the process. I'm sure that there's going to be more that's going to be unveiled and, I'm always learning more and how to be of service and how to help more. And yeah, but in, in, intuition for intuition goes a lot with my empathicness. You know, it's like my empath, my intuition. It, mm. It's, um, and I think a large part of it is just listening because yeah. a lot, most of us are intuitive. We just don't listen. Yeah. I right. actually did a course during lockdown to, 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 to improve my intuition. Oh, beautiful. And, 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 and what I, I think what I've learned is the trick is to, to, to kind of switch off all, all the external sounds and all the, not the external sounds like a car driving past, but let go of all judgments and, and all preconceived ideas and, and, and connect, right. with, connect in, in, in a complete state of innocence. Right. And trust Absolutely. what comes up. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's the, that's the biggest thing because, you know, in the beginning when I was doing this, I would see weird images. I was like, what is this? Like, and then I would tell the person and they would totally resonate. They'd be like, oh yeah, that's blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. Like, you know, the more it happened, the more I was kind of like, okay, I can trust it. Even if, even if it's totally weird and yeah. I don't even, I can't make sense of it. But then I start talking about it and then people are like, yeah, like that's, 
that's my grandmother or like, you know, seeing different family members come in in the healing. Mm. That's been really interesting. People's ancestors come in. It's been really wild. I I just saw blue. I just saw the color blue. And I said to her, I don't know what's going on. Do you live close to water? <laughs> just to yeah. And she said, I live right across from the sea. <laughs> okay. <Right. laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, it's, it's such a weird thing, but I love that. Let's yeah. end up with, talk to me about Love as Medicine and your podcast. Well, so last year, the infamous 2020, um, <laughs> I... <laughs> um, <laughs> I had this like overwhelming feeling like, okay, like I could die. This is a reality. I mean, we all know that every day, but I think it became very, very clear that my days are numbered as is everyone's right. And the fear of dying was like, okay, I could either be afraid to die or I could just live my life to the fullest. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start spreading love because if everyone's going to be spreading fear, I'm going to do the opposite and spread that love can heal and love can, love is medicine and love isn't just about romance and, and sex. It's about healing and it's about inclusiveness. It's about connectiveness. Mm. It's about feeling, helping people being of service and it's, and it can help heal you. It's not just about eating the right foods or going to the right doctors or taking the right medicine, love itself can actually help you heal. Of course, it's not an overnight thing, but you loving yourself and loving your neighbors and loving your family and loving your friends, loving strangers, acts of kindness, all of those Mm. things are extremely healing. And so I wanted to start a podcast where we talk about love as medicine and about how people have gone through horrific things in their lives and they were really able to transform because of self-awareness, self-love and actually switched their life to a, a path of positivity. And then in that, in that way, they were like, you know what, I'm going to help other people as well. Yeah. So it's not just about, um, it's not just about healing yourself, but actually helping other people heal as well. And I wanted to show that, you know, if you heal yourself, you can heal others and others can heal others. And then you can start spreading love and then it becomes infinite, right? People just start feeling and spreading love and kindness in a way that helps people. And that was the uh, motivation after um, last year, because I was like, you know what? I want to just do something that helps people feel good and help them heal. Yeah. Because I see your, your... Episodes are always named from X mm-hmm. to Y. So, so for right. the problem was to exactly do something inspiring, inspirational, beautiful, healing, something like that. I, I, I really, really like that when, when I saw that. So do you have a website or where, where can people learn more about you and find you if they, if they want to find you? Yeah, if people want to find me or work with me, I do online healing sessions globally. Um, my my email is hello at corinnekamara.com. And you can also find me on my website, corinnekamara.com. And it's spelled French. So C-A-R-I-N-E. Camara, awesome. I will put the link in the write-up so people can find it. Yeah, so I, you know, so people can find me online. They can email me. Yeah. Cool. 
And I'm on Instagram. So I do dots of lamb and what is your Instagram? And I do free events. So yeah. What is your Instagram? My Instagram is Corinne J. Kamara. It's Corinne J. Kamara. I am going to follow you right now. This is wonderful. Oh, cool. Yeah. I want to thank you immensely thank for your you. time, for your beautiful energy, for the love you brought into the space, into the field. And it was such a thank pleasure you. to get to know you. And I frankly think when I'm in California, I'm going to contact you and take a drive and let's, let's see if we can work with my pelvic floor. Because I still have yeah, problems totally. Problems there. I, I would really, really love that. It was wonderful. Thank yeah. you very, very much. And have a most You're beautiful welcome. Monday. Look after yourself. See ya. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. found it so easy to talk to Corinne. She has such an opening energy and welcoming soul. I feel as if I made a potential friend for when we eventually get to America. I thank Corinne and wish her overwhelming success on a healing with love journey. If you want to know more about I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website which is www.freddy.org.za or find me on Facebook at either Meet Me in the Field or Freddy Counselor or on Twitter at at Freddy or Instagram at Freddy Counselor. Remember that Freddy is always spelt with an IE at the end. Thanks for listening. Be safe. Bye.